Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you happen to be, and welcome to Under the Wire. My name is Meryl Dory, and I'm the mother of four children, one of whom was injured by his DPT vaccine in 1989, and again by his MMR vaccine in 1990. And I'm here today. We've had a very Murphy's Law kind of morning. I was supposed to be interviewing Dr. Judy Wileyman about several issues, but we had some technical difficulties, as you do, and I couldn't quite get that to work. But I promise you that I will bring Dr. Wileyman back on the show uh, very shortly. But in the meantime, there's an awful lot of information to cover. Um, a lot of it about West Australia, which is where Dr. Wileyman is located. Um, I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but just in the last week, West Australia uh, passed the final part of its um, no jab, no play legislation. They started in 2016 with the passage of a public health act, which I'm going to speak about a bit too. And um, as of I think it was the 22nd of July, um, they also brought in total no jab, no play, which does not allow any child care center or preschool to accept an unvaccinated child unless they have what is called a valid medical exemption. Now, I want to speak with you a little bit about valid medical exemptions because probably the question that we get asked more than any other is how do I get a medical exemption for my child? There was a story that was shared within a few days ago. I don't know when this situation happened, but a woman had a child who had an anaphylactic reaction to a particular vaccine. I don't know which vaccine it was. It might have been the Infanrix DPAT, might have been the MMR, I'm not sure. But they had an anaphylactic reaction, and they got a medical exemption signed by their doctor before the introduction of No Jab, No Play. And what happened was when No Jab, No Play came in, I believe this was in New South Wales, their medical exemption was no longer valid. So they went back to their own doctor, the family doctor who had witnessed the reaction, and the doctor told them that his or hers, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, medical exemption um, would no longer be accepted because only certain special doctors could actually um, give valid medical exemptions according to the government. And what she would have to do is continue vaccinating. And she was very much between a rock and a hard place. And the doctor assured her that there would be no problem, that you know, an anaphylactic reaction is a once-in-a-million thing. I cannot imagine any doctor actually saying that with any other cause of anaphylaxis, such as peanuts or bee stings or anything like that. Oh, just go ahead and do it. You you had a, you were unlucky once, but now you're going to be fine. So this woman vaccinated her child again, and again, the child had an anaphylactic reaction and needed to be revived. And what happened was she got an advert sorry a medical exemption to that particular vaccine from the hospital where she had her child vaccinated 
But she was told that for all the other vaccines, and keep in mind there's about 16 vaccines now that are targeting our children, many doses of 16 vaccines, uh, 18 vaccines for uh, Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders, um, she would have to vaccinate her child with every single vaccine and a doctor who could write a medical exemption, according to the government, would have to actually witness that anaphylactic reaction. And only if those two things happened would she get a medical exemption. But she would have to use every single one of those vaccines before she was given an exemption. Now, this is not only bad science, it is so unethical that I can't even imagine it. If, let's go back to the peanut allergy situation. If a child has anaphylaxis and children have died, adults have died from exposure to peanuts. I know of a case in the United States where a young girl in high school, I believe, um, was just speaking with someone who'd had a peanut butter sandwich and she went into anaphylactic shock and died there on the spot. So if a doctor were to say to you as a parent... Yes, your child had an anaphylactic reaction to this peanut butter sandwich, but how about we just try it again? That doctor would be culpable if anything happened to your child. You could sue them. They would probably go to prison and they would definitely lose their license to practice medicine. But when it comes to a vaccine, if the same doctor says to you, yes, your child had an adverse reaction, an anaphylactic reaction to this vaccine, but let's just try it again. Not only is the doctor um, totally harmless in that case, in, in a court of law, but um, they probably couldn't be sued because they are just following the normal procedures for vaccination. The government in Australia has said that the only reaction for which you can get a, a medical exemption is an anaphylactic reaction. And even if you have an anaphylactic reaction, the your ability to get a medical exemption for that vaccine is very, very hard. And for any other vaccine, it's impossible unless you, uh, unless you give them the vaccine and they have a reaction in front of a doctor. Now, these are crimes against humanity as far as I'm concerned. This is totally against the duty of care that doctors have when it comes to vaccinations and any medical procedure, not just vaccines. So, what West Australia has done, what New South Wales and Victoria have done, um, is to basically say that they don't care whether your children are permanently harmed by vaccines. These medical procedures that have a known risk of lifetime disability and even death, they don't care about any of that. What they care about is getting 100% of the nation's children vaccinated. Um, and they are not going to be responsible if something happens to your child. You have to take them to court. And as the parents of Saba Button in Western Australia found out, that was not easy. They did win their case, but they um, the only way they got a payout was for the case to be sealed and nobody will ever um, 
reveal what happened in that case. No judgment was ever um, written down against the pharmaceutical company or the West Australian government, who were the bodies that were sued. So we have a situation where the government in Western Australia is now saying, we don't care about you or your child. All we care about is numbers. We want to get as many numbers vaccinated as we possibly can. And um, on that note, I have just recently, uh, it's been brought to my attention that the legislation under which No Jab, No Play has been enacted, uh, the Public Health Act 2016, has some quite frightening uh, information in it regarding vaccination and our rights as citizens. This is the situation in West Australia. I am going to be checking into what other states have brought in similar legislation. I'll just share this with you. I hope you can see this. If not, I'll read it to you. This is Section 158 of the Act, Enforcement of Requirement to Undergo Medical Observation and Medical Examination. Uh, if an authorized officer gives a direction to a person under Section 157 to undergo medical observation, medical examination, or medical treatment, or to be vaccinated, an authorized officer or police officer may use reasonable force to ensure that the direction is complied with, including, if necessary, to apprehend and detain the person to whom the direction applies and take the relevant person to a place where the person is required, excuse me, required to undergo medical observation, medical examination, or medical treatment, or to be vaccinated in accordance with the direction and to detain the relevant person at a place where he or she is required to undergo medical observation, medical examination, or medical treatment, or to be vaccinated in accordance with the direction, and to restrain the relevant person, to enable a medical observation, medical examination, or medical treatment to be carried out, or to enable the relevant person to be vaccinated, to remove anything, including underwear, that the relevant person is wearing if the removal of that thing is reasonably necessary to enable a medical examination or medical treatment to be carried out or, as the case requires, to enable the person to be vaccinated. Now, I don't know about you, but that sends shivers down my spine. Where is our right to bodily integrity? There is something about inalienable rights. We discussed that a little bit last week. There are some rights that the government gives us. And actually, when it comes to rights, we give the government the ability to make laws that will determine what our rights are and are not. We don't have the right to kill another person. The government, we've given the government the right to make laws about that. We don't have the right to steal something that does not belong to us. We've given the right to the government to make laws regarding that. We have never, ever given the government the right to take away our basic inalienable rights, one of which is the right to bodily integrity. Where the, law, where the law ends is at my skin. They have no rights once it comes to my skin. That's it. They may have rights to things around me. They may have rights to say um, that I can't set fire to my house or someone else's house. 
that I can't drive above a certain speed limit and that I need to have a license to show that I'm capable of driving safely. But they cannot say that I have to take any medication or any vaccine. And yet here in West Australia, since 2016, as far as we know, I'm not sure when this Section 158 was added to the Act, and that's one thing I need to check. Um, but since 2018, the West Australian government, sorry, 2016, in this 2016 legislation, as far as I can see, the government has said that we no longer have any control over our bodies. And if they feel that it's required, and who knows what they need to prove in order to show that it's required, they can take us, they can imprison us, they can take us out of our home, they can force us to undergo an examination, medical treatment with drugs, which many of us don't use, and vaccination. And if a government can force us to do any of these things under legislation that they have written without our permission, are we still living in a democracy? Can we say in any way, shape, or form that the Australian government abides by the rule of law? I don't think we can. The rule of law recognizes basic rights, the right to freedom of speech, the right to freedom of religion, the right to bodily integrity, um, the right to bear arms, dare I say it. Um, so many rights that we should have and don't have. Leave out the right to bear arms. That's probably just the American and me speaking. But we have these basic, basic rights, and the government is saying that we no longer have them. And I am saying that when the government does things like this, they are acting illegally, um, and they should be cited for that. And anyone who is forced to vaccinate and is harmed by that vaccine as far as I'm concerned, has the right to sue the government in a court of law and a good chance of winning. Now, um, Judy Wileyman was going to speak to us today about a law case uh, where she was uh, she presented an expert as an expert witness. And um, I really want to speak with you about that, but I want her to be here to talk about it. So I'm hoping that we can get her on the show in two weeks' time. Um, so on to the next item on our list. One of the reasons why so many of these uh, laws are coming in now is because of measles. We are being told that measles, which I'm 61 years old, when I was a kid, everyone got measles. None of us knew anyone who was permanently injured by it or uh, in any way harmed by it. Uh, that's not to say that some people can't be. I mean, people have underlying conditions where even the common cold can kill them. But in general, prior to the introduction of the measles vaccine, um, measles was considered a common and benign disease of childhood and a disease that not only conveyed lifelong protection against further infection with measles virus, but also was associated with a much lower risk of certain other diseases later in life, like cancers, like autoimmune conditions, asthma, eczema, um, diabetes. All of these things have been linked with 
um, lack of childhood infections, uh, dare I say it, and also linked with the administration of relevant vaccines. Now, this is a meme that I absolutely love. Um, this is, a lot of people won't want to hear this, but empowering the government to inject people against their will is far more dangerous than the measles. Now, measles is being used as an excuse by the government in the United States, governments in Europe, and yes, the government in Australia, to push further and further towards making vaccinations compulsory. Um, in Australia, it's been discussed now that there should be free adult vaccines. And I say free because who's paying for it? We are. Uh, we may not be going to the doctor and writing out a check or giving them our EFTPOS card to charge us for the visit, but we pay for these vaccines, these free vaccines. So the government is talking about a free catch-up vaccination campaign for all adults. Two years ago, they made the Australian Childhood Immunization Register that tracks who is and who is not vaccinated up to the age of seven at that point, an adult and lifetime registers. So everyone who has a Medicare card is on that register and the government will know whether you are vaccinating or not. Now they're saying they want a free catch-up vaccine um, campaign for all adults, and all of that will be on the adult childhood, sorry, the adult uh, immunization register. And they also want to, um, to have a schedule for adults, just like there is a schedule for children. Children get vaccinated at birth to four, six months, 12 months, 15 months, 18 months, all the way through their childhood. The government wants adults to be vaccinated on a schedule as well. And it reminds me so much of drug pushers who will go to the schoolyard and say, here, have this vaccine, have this drug for free. Try some cocaine, try some ice, try some ecstasy. And when you've tried it, you'll want to come back for more. That's what the government is sort of hoping. And uh, the government and the medical community, the mainstream medical community, have basically become drug pushers for the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, they are in that role right now. And it's a role they have gladly taken on. Now, the measles vaccine, going back to that, is the reason for many of the uh, legislation, the laws that are being brought in to force vaccination. Uh, because we have a certain number of measles cases and we had less last year, uh, that is a sign that our vaccination rates are declining and we have to force people to vaccinate. It's not enough to just use education, to use um, discussion, to be able to talk to your doctor and to ask them why we should vaccinate and have them tell us, and at the end of that discussion to say, yes, I agree, I will do it, or no, I don't agree. In my family's case, I don't think it's the best thing for them. That's no longer allowed. So we have a situation where the governments and the media 
and the medical community feel that it's within their rights to force people to do what they don't want to do regarding their own health and the health of their children. Um, In the United States right now, um, New York State... uh, I'm just trying to find this picture that I saved. Here we go. Um, New York State has um, made it so that people who are unvaccinated not only can't go to school, but they're not supposed to be out in public. They're trying to enforce this um, legislation where if you or your children are not vaccinated, you shouldn't be going to supermarkets, um, shopping centers, parks, any place. And now, now, excuse this because I didn't save this properly, but um, if you can see here, East Aurora, which is a place in the in New York State, uh, ends transportation for unvaccinated students. And what that means is that unvaccinated students will no longer be allowed on the school buses. So if you as a parent have a child going to primary school or junior high school, which they have in the U.S., you're going to have to drive them there because they are no longer going to be allowed to take that bus. Now, I have in the article that went with that picture, it was actually a news story, but they had a transcript. Um, It said that this was to protect all the other children who were vaccinated. It specifically said that. It said, we have to protect the children in school and on the way to school and going home from school. So, On the one hand, they're saying that vaccines are going to protect the community and everybody needs to be vaccinated to protect the community. And then on the other hand, they're saying that our fully vaccinated children need to be protected from the unvaccinated. And if there is any logic in anyone's mind listening to this or watching this, you'd have to ask yourself the question, if the vaccinated need to be protected from the unvaccinated, what are the vaccines actually doing? Are they protecting us? I don't think they are. If we need to segregate, and that's what this is, segregation, we're going back to the old days of bigotry and segregation. If we need to segregate the vaccinated from the unvaccinated, then the vaccines aren't working. And we know the vaccines aren't working because most people who get these diseases are vaccinated against them. Now, in the United States, which has a population of about 330 million, this year so far, there have been 1,100 cases of measles. Somebody out there who's watching this and who can do the maths for me might be able to work out what the actual rate of measles is, it's probably 0.0000001%, something like that. It is so low. And there have been no deaths. I don't know if there have been any hospitalizations. And I also don't know two things. One, how many of that 1,100 people who got the measles were already vaccinated against it? According to history, most of them would have been. And two, how many cases of that measles infection were caused by the measles vaccine virus? And this is what we're seeing more and more in measles outbreaks, is that the cause of the outbreak is actually the virus from the vaccine. 
The measles vaccine was introduced in the United States in 1963 and in Australia in 1970, and both countries introduced the MMR vaccine around the same time, 1986 to 1987. Um, I have this little snippet here from USA Today in 1988, so two to three years after the vaccine came in, the, the MMR vaccine but more than 20 years after the introduction of the measles vaccine. Look at Sting, doesn't he look young? Anyway, um, it says measly figure. Measles decreased 42% in the last year to 3,655 cases, reports the National Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. That's the first drop in four years since the record low of 1,497 cases in 1980. 83. Now, keep in mind that we're being told that 1,100 cases in a population that is much bigger today uh, is a cause for panic. But then it goes on to say nearly three-fourths of the cases were patients, mostly children, who'd been vaccinated but got measles anyway. Now, if Three-quarters of the people who got measles had been vaccinated against it, and this was in 1988, which is a long time ago. Why are we still using the vaccine? Why? Measles, before the introduction of the vaccine, was not a deadly disease, not in developed countries, not in countries where children had decent nutritional status, where they had good living conditions. The death rate from measles was vanishingly small. The rate of um, adverse sequelae, you know, things that followed the disease, uh, which can happen, encephalitis can happen, deafness can happen, but this was so, so, so rare, and it can happen after vaccination. Those same things can happen after vaccination, and according to the statistics, it may happen more often than it used to happen from the disease itself. But regardless, if we knew that the vaccine was not working in three-quarters of the cases, why did we continue to use it? Was it just the money? Was it because the government felt that once they made a commitment to vaccination, they had to continue that commitment? I don't know the answer to that question, but I do think it needs to be answered. So we have a situation now where supposedly there's an increase in measles and as I talked about in the last episode, that's not really true because measles is cyclical. And if we look at last year, the incidence may be up. But if we look at the incidence of measles over the last three to four years, there's been no change, really. Um, and we have Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is one of my personal heroes, who is currently involved in taking lawsuits against governments that are discriminating against both children and adults in the United States. I love this meme. Feeling awesome. Might sue Merck, GSK, and Sanofi later. I don't know. He is actually suing the government of New York for their legislation discriminating against um, the unvaccinated. He has also won quite a few lawsuits uh, regarding the use of glyphosate 
in, uh, you know, glyphosate is the main ingredient in Roundup. So he is one of the movers and shakers behind those lawsuits. And he's been working with Dell Bigtree of the High Wire on holding the Department of Health and Human Services in the United States accountable for their lack of investigation into vaccine safety and effectiveness, something which they are legally obligated to do and which they have not done for 30 years. So we have really good people on our side right now who are taking legal action, who are getting active on this issue. This is in the United States. We also have people in Europe who are doing similar things. Here in Australia, we have crickets. I am asking anyone out there, regardless of your opinion on whether vaccines are good, bad, or indifferent, if you believe that the government should not have the right to put us in prison and forcibly vaccinate us, uh, if you believe that the government does not have the right to discriminate against people who have made decisions that are legal under our current legislation and not vaccinating is still legal under our current legislation, if you believe that people who want to make informed decisions should be allowed to do so in a democratic nation, we need your help. We need good ethical lawyers to contact the AVN. You can do it at AVN Inquiries, that's E-N-Q-U-I-R-I-E-S, at avn.org.au, or you can contact us on this Facebook page. Please do it as a private message, or you can do it via our website, avn.org.au. If you are in any way as incensed about these um, acts that are taking away our basic human rights. We need your help. We need more Robert F. Kennedys. We need people in Australia who will support us and support families. So honestly, we absolutely are begging you to contact us and to step forward uh, to help us protect the rights of Australians when it comes to this issue. It's very, very important. Um, we need your help. Sorry. <laughs> My hands are dry. Uh, okay, so what we've got now, I'm probably going to have a much shorter show than we normally would have because... Judy Wileyman couldn't come today. Actually, she was ready to come. It was me with technical difficulties. Uh, but I've only got one other thing that I want to cover before we finish, and that is that the AVN, um, myself, and the AVN's new president, Anita Hoffmeister, is going to be going out to West Australia in about three weeks' time to um, hold a couple of screenings of Robert F. Kennedy's documentary on the human papillomavirus vaccine, Gardasil. This is the, we did this tour recently in southeast Queensland, and it was very successful. Um, you can still see the Q&As that were recorded uh, on the website, on the, sorry, not on the website, on the Facebook page. So we are bringing this message. We've been asked to bring this out to West Australia. We're going to be in Fremantle 
on the 16th of August and in Albany, where I've never been in the south part of West Australia. We're going to be in Albany on the 18th. Uh, there is a link on the AVN Facebook page and also uh, on the AVN website for where you can purchase tickets and find out more information. Doors open at 6.30. We will start the screening at 7. It runs for a little over an hour. And then we will have Q&A. We're trying to get some experts from overseas for the Q&A. We haven't um, finalized anything yet, but Dr. Judy Wileyman will be there as well. Uh, Anita Hoffmeister and myself. So we will be able to answer most of your questions. Any questions you have that we cannot answer, we will find the answers to and get back to you on. This is a great opportunity, especially considering the legislation that has just been passed in WA regarding No Jab, No Play. A great opportunity to get together with like-minded people, to share support and information, to um, be able to uh, support each other. You know, we, we feel alone many times when we make these decisions. So, you know, don't feel alone. Come out. Meet the people who believe the same way as you do when it comes to rights and, and informed choice. And support the AVN at the same time. We will be having some books, t-shirts. Uh, we are getting new t-shirts printed that say, Be Brave. I wore one last week. They're gorgeous. They're organic cotton. And um, we'll have some other new t-shirts that we'll be bringing out with us, as well as the um, vaxxed t-shirts that everybody loves. And you know, just come out, bring yourself along, bring your partners along, bring your children along. Um, it's, it is a child-friendly event. Uh, and both of the venues, sadly, are quite small. So if you want to come, please book your tickets quickly. We're already at about 15%. And I only just started selling the tickets for the Fremantle event. So um, just get in there quickly and get your tickets. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I needed to cover. Ah, yes, we are still looking for volunteers who want to come forward and um, and help us out. I have not put the link, but I will add the link when I get off the uh, chat. Uh, we have a link on our website for uh, people who want to volunteer, asking questions about what it is you'd like to do, uh, what you feel your strengths are, how much time you have, all of that. So if you have not yet volunteered to help the AVN and you feel you have something to offer, we've all got something to offer, um, please check the blog on the AVN Facebook page, uh, sorry, the AVN website, I keep saying Facebook page, please check the blog on the AVN page and you will see a link to the, um, give me 10 minutes, but you will see a link to the uh, form where you can fill in information if you want to volunteer. And one last thing, I knew I'd forgotten something. After last week's Under the Wire, we were inundated with people saying, when are you bringing Vax2 out to Australia? I want to be there. I want to help. I want to do things. We don't know yet because the um, launch date has not been finalized. But trust me, we are going to bring Vax2 out to Australia. Um, Vimeo, which is a, a website like YouTube, 
as you know, YouTube is censoring uh, videos regarding vaccination and Vimeo is doing the same thing now. Um, if you have an account, a Vimeo Pro account, I have one. I've canceled it. Uh, if you have a Vimeo Pro account, please cancel it because what they have done is they have removed Vaxxed from Vimeo. So you can no longer watch or purchase Vaxxed on the Vimeo website. Um, they have censored it as misinformation. Now, everyone in the mainstream community loves to call Anything that we say or that any doctors or scientists say that call into question the safety and effectiveness of vaccines as misinformation and their answer to what they consider misinformation is to censor it. Now, if I disagree with something you are saying and I think you're wrong or misinformed or you are spreading misinformation, what I will do is I will say, I don't think that's right. Here is the information that I have. What do you have? to oppose this? What information do you have to show that my information is incorrect? Let's compare notes. Let's talk about it. Let's see if we can come to some kind of an agreement. We may never come to an agreement, but that's okay because we're both adults and we can do that. We can disagree. I am not going to say because I disagree with what you're saying, you no longer have the right to say it because I have information that backs up what I'm saying and I am prepared to present that information and to defend it in any venue and to any person, be they the Prime Minister of Australia, the Minister for Health, the head of the AMA, any immunologist, any doctor. Why is it that all of these people are afraid to come to me and say, we think what you're saying is wrong, here is why, let's talk about it. Why is their answer? We think what you are saying is wrong, and therefore you can't say it. If they had information to show that what we have at the AVN, what I personally have regarding vaccination, is not correct, they would be showing it. The fact that they are afraid to do that, the fact that they will never meet me in a live debate or anyone else on our side in a live debate, the fact that they believe that they have the right to tell me and anyone who discusses this issue from immunologists, there are many immunologists who do not support mass vaccination the way that it's currently carried out, uh, pediatricians, GPs, uh, Health officials, there are people in the health department who do not agree with this. They're afraid to say anything, but they do not agree with this. And they have contacted us and told us that. The fact that we are being censored is a sign that the other side, the side that believes that you shouldn't have the right to make choices about what goes into your body, that you have no bodily integrity, that you have no right to make a decision for your minor children when it comes to their health, the fact that these people will not meet us uh, in, a in a live debate and present their information to allow the Australian community to hear both sides and to make a decision is all the proof that anyone ever needs that they have no information, they have no evidence. And I would like them to prove me wrong. So I am saying right here, right now, if there is any doctor, any public health official, any government official, any health minister out there 
who would like to meet me, a mother, <laughs> in a public debate on this scientific issue and present their information, um, we will. Ha you can choose the moderator. I don't care as long as we both have equal time. I will meet any of you in any venue, in any forum. I will fly anywhere. If you want me to come to Canberra, if you want me to come to West Australia, that's fine. I will be there. Let's meet in a public debate, present our information so that the Australian public can see it, ask and answer questions, and make up their own minds about which side actually has the best science when it comes to the issue of vaccination and health. I'm putting it out there. Will anyone take up that challenge? That's what I want to know. So I'm going to end this here. If you want to contact me, my email address is meryl at avn.org.au. Please write to me and I'm happy to speak with you. Okay. From Under the Wire, from the AVN, I would like to thank you all for joining me. And I will see you in two weeks' time on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Time, uh, 8 p.m. Um, U.S. Eastern Time, and God only knows what time, wherever you are. But you should be able to check that out with a time app. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you for listening. And uh, please send through any questions you have. I will try and get to them. Bye-bye now.